thank you, Woody, for uh, agreeing to speak with us. Um, so you are a member and well-deserved of the most recent APA Hall of Fame, so congratulations on that. Well, thank you. Thank you. That was a couple of years ago. Uh, the COVID slowed us down a bit. For sure, for sure. So if we could start with uh, perhaps your recollection, recounting of of how the uh, ceremony went, uh, the lead up to it, and uh, all your uh, feelings throughout it. Sure. Um, uh, I, w I flew down to uh, Alpharetta, um, and one of my uh, friends, uh, Mark Featherstone, flew in from Canada as well. We had a twofold goal. One was uh, for me to get the Hall of Fame award, but the second was at that time we had an opening in our league, the Northeast League. And so we were also recruiting. So most of the time we were there, we wore our uh, Northeast League T-shirts trying to get people interested. Uh -huh. um, the, the, basically, um, uh, they had a number of tournaments and a home run hitting contest. Uh, I assume you're aware of that, yes. that uh, subset. Uh, I got eliminated right in the first round. Um, oh, <laughs> well. um, and then towards the end, I think the, the Saturday evening, they had a ceremony where um, they inducted uh, a number of people. Uh, a couple of them were, were very special. I'm sort of like a normal inductee. One of them was a person who'd come to conventions for years, and they surprised him. So you, you could look at the 2019 ones and see who probably was the one surprised. And so he was he was overwhelmed. It was very emotional for everybody because they all knew him and loved him. Wow. Um, and the other was this, this uh, gentleman who... Uh, won his league, um, even though he basically, I, I'm not sure what his disease was, something like Lou Gehrig's disease or in that range. And so there there was a very emotional one there, too. So I was more the, the light touch. Um, I did, however, bring some things with me. I brought a couple of samples of um, cards that uh, Dick Seitz had owned. Oh, wow. In particular, I brought what I call the Rosetta Stone. It's a copy of the... Uh, the National Pastime Boards that uh, Dick owned oh. with little scribbles uh, on some numbers uh, indicating that he changed those numbers when he played the game. And then if you compare those with the 1950 boards, which I also have, you'll see that he that much of the much of APA is basically the National Pastime with you know, pitching added in, etc. But um, a lot of the outcomes are identical, but the changes are there. So it's... it's um, it's actual proof to the extent that such a thing exists from 70 years ago. It's proof, though, that um, that sites basically uh, took the national pastime and improved it, rather than starting the game from scratch. For and sure. that's one reason why. That's one reason why he was very sensitive to uh, people copying or trying to copy his uh, materials because he probably did not have a patent because it probably the national pastime invented the idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I see. So let it be known, folks, that APA, even even the founder of the company, uh, changed his boards a bit and uh, customized. And, um, well, yeah, no, he, no he, he, of course, the national pastime was not his. It was, right. Uh, so, yeah, so it wasn't much change as he... Uh, it's just it's proof that he started from the national pastime. For sure, for uh, so sure. I, so I circulated those, and people enjoyed them. I also brought along a card that um, Sykes had made for Joe DiMaggio for a season that at that point he hadn't done, and he, it was typed up on a card, so it was very well done. Um, and then the the, uh, the fellow who introduced me, he was a very nice guy, um, 
more or less said what's in the write-up mm-hmm. in the APA uh, uh, website. And then I told a few jokes, and that was the end of it. All right, all right. Uh, but uh, completely unexpected for, for you. Um... No, no, it was not unexpected for me. Because I, I, uh, I would not have gone there, okay. except that they invited me and told my friend that I was very likely. The one that was unexpected was the, the gentleman who came about every every year to the convention and had never been in the Hall of Fame. And he, he was surprised. I was not surprised. I was okay. extremely pleased, but not surprised. Gotcha. And for the record, those other inductees are Nick Braccia, the great contributor. Uh, he's been a, he was a longtime police officer in Connecticut near, uh, near us here in New Jersey. And then uh, Randy and Lisa Walker, so uh, the uh, class of 2019, which uh, stands at present as the most current, thanks to the pandemic here. Um, It's interesting that, uh, you know, Hall of Famer Pete Simonelli lives about 20 minutes from me, and when we started our page in 2011, uh, he, uh, I I was purchasing a a lot of Robert Henry's football collection from him, and since Pete is, of course, uh, the custodian of of one of the original national pastime games, he uh, delighted us by showing us the the cards and the game, and uh, obviously all the familiar uh, columns and and uh, results boards. I just wonder at this point how many of those games exist or those boards. So I'm I'm pretty much clueless. I've got a set, although um, I don't have a complete set of the cards. I think I'm missing you know, 27. I, I've copies, of course, but I think I'm missing 27 cards. But I have actually have two sets of boards. At some point, I suppose I'd be willing to play to sell one. But um, uh, the second set of boards was also Dick Sice's, but he actually rolled the dice on the boards. Mm. And so they're very worn out. And in some places, you can't even see uh, what the board said. Um, so it's it's, uh, it's it's sort of heartwarming, but also sort of useless because you can't read the whole thing. <laughs> That's very. We would love some photos of those if you happen to have those. Um, so let's go through your, uh, obviously, as you mentioned, your write-up is on the, uh, APA website here. So I'll kind of read through pieces of it to kind of pick and choose. Uh, of course, we always start with the APA origin story and per the website, the write-up, Woody started playing APA in 1958. In 1960, Woody co-founded, along with some of his neighborhood friends, the Northeast League, or N-E-L. Time marched on, and eventually all the managers were leaving for college and starting their lives. Woody went on to Hamilton College in Clinton, New York, class of 1966. Always a good number, 1966. (laughs) So what was that? uh, How did you pick up the game? Was it those friends, or was it family? When you say pick up, you mean back in 1958? Correct. Yeah, gotcha. So I saw an ad in the Sporting News. My guess is, that, uh, or perhaps it was Baseball Digest, but either way, it's a fascinating ad. If you're if you're at all statistically inclined, the fact that you might be able to to replay a season, um, and I wanted to buy it, and my parents said no, you can't buy it, and I persisted for about two months and finally bought it. <laughs> that was in uh, the, about uh, September of 1958. And do you remember the price of the game? No, but I don't think it was very high. No. <laughs> <laughs> I could look it up. I've got some of the advertising folders from back then, so I could probably look it up for you. For sure, um, for sure. You know, Fourteen ninety-five would would be at the high end, I would think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what were you? What was your interest? Were you playing the entire season or your favorite team? A little of both. Um, I thought I was interested in replaying an entire season until I actually 
did one, and then I found that it got slow after a while. Mm. Um, but uh, uh, but it was it, at first it was just the whole idea of doing it, and then after a while I did get interested in forming a league. So for three years, we had um, backing up a step. I when I was uh, I don't know seventh grader, I organized the naval warfare club using Fletcher Pratt's naval warfare guide, and yeah. we played it in my basement every Friday. And so when I discovered up, I simply switched the Naval Warfare Club over to a baseball league. Hmm. And that worked for everybody except for one guy who was the son of a merchant mariner and who didn't know anything about baseball. So we gave him the Cubs, who weren't that great back then. <laughs> and he he became a lifelong Cub fan because we gave him the Cubs. Ah. And but we, we, we didn't own from year to year for the first couple of years, and that's why I don't include it, saying that the, and some people say the NEL started in 58 when I started that league, but that's not really true because the first couple of years were not continuous ownership. Uh-huh, I see. We just drafted every year. Put the cards out on the ping-pong table and drafted away. Awesome, awesome. So was it a group purchase? Everyone chipped in for that set, or did people... No, I'm pretty sure I paid for it. Okay. <laughs> were, were other kids uh, really into the board game idea? Did, did they need a little more coaxing, or...? Yeah, I'd say um, three or four of them just loved loved it, and they were they kept on going. Of the of the Northeast League when I formed it, I believe that four of the six managers were uh, were former members of my uh, baseball league in Crestville, New Jersey. Oh. And Bob Fraser, the general manager, was uh, was one of the uh, was the fifth, and then a guy named Bill McCandless from Iowa who gotten to know when, because I was answering letters for uh, APA back then. Um, I gotten to know, so we had two furners and. Uh, four New Jerseyites, which some people would consider to be furners anyway. <laughs> interesting, interesting. So uh, along those lines of Mr. Seitz, uh, reading again from the uh, write-up here, Woody, though never employed by APA, answered letters on APA's behalf for most of the 60s. Dick Seitz would forward the letters to Woody, and Woody would answer them. Woody was a one-man APA journal years before the pungent aroma of the first mimeograph copy <laughs> Of an Apple Journal edition polluted the air. I'm I'm a newsman. I love the smell of ink myself. So, so what was that experience like? Were were you driving to Lancaster? Had you begun kind of going out to the facility uh, where you? No, although I did go to Lancaster a lot. I had relatives in Lancaster who uh, who lived very near to the sites sites, but I typically didn't drive there. Typically. if he if he had a matter of fact answer, he'd do it himself. Mm. But if a person wanted to have a detailed answer or talk about up or get into a league or connect with other people, he'd simply uh, throw the letter into an envelope and send it to me. Excellent. Excellent. So so I didn't do everything. I my guess is that he he screened it pretty carefully because I don't remember getting a zillion letters. I remember getting let's say um, two or three a month. Hmm. Did you happen to keep copies of those letters or your responses, or are they in the journal proper? Um, uh, the short answer is no. Um, a couple of the people that I met that way became league members, and so, of course, I have long relationships with them. Mm-hmm. It gave me a really good chance to recruit recruit members because um, I got to know them through this conversation, and some of them were clearly pretty sharp, and others really uh, weren't that interested in APA. They were interested in something else and happened to be writing letters that excites. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, reading further down here, in response to the relocation of NEL managers, uh, Woody invented the idea of the Apple Play-By-Mail League. The NEL was one of the few Apple leagues that used Play-By-Mail idea until the NEL Constitution was printed in Yeah, and then we, we 
Uh, no one, no one disputes that. Sure. Um, no one had thought of the idea until I think it was the third issue of the Op-Bot Journal mm. where they printed a constitution, and then suddenly there were leagues everywhere. I see. Uh, December 1967, it looks like, Volume 1, Issue issue 3. Uh, the explosion of Apple Mail leagues can be traced to this Apple Journal issue. Uh, did you have contact with the Gatos brothers uh, directly at all, or how did you get Yeah, them? absolutely, sure, I knew them. You know, they've known, known them for a long time. They're terrific guys. And and so you made you eventually became uh, or Mr. Seitz became aware of you and your interests and your through the journal. So I'm not sure what you're asking. Um, that Mr. Mr. Seitz was aware of me very early on. Okay. Uh, for a, a rather he was a very money oriented guy. Okay. Uh, and I was a counselor at a, a summer camp, ah. and I got about ten kids to buy games, and he wanted to know. Who was this guy who was selling games? <laughs> simultaneously, uh, simultaneously, the general manager of Op Bob, Bob Fraser, had babysat for me in Philadelphia when I lived there, and I was younger. So the, I had two connections with Sites. So he, so uh, Dick Sites saw me as a person who, who w- would would interact well with his fans and allow him not to have to worry about it. Interesting. He, he was not big on writing letters to customers. Sure, sure. Well, that, that's uh, his personality. Uh, uh, trait it sounds like was more toward the the uh, refining the gameplay and running the company and uh, of Dyson Men. Did you appear in of Dyson Men the documentary? Yes. Uh huh. Okay. I, 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 did I did I appear in it? Yes. No, I I know about it. I watched it, but I was not in it. Oh, okay. Okay. I wasn't sure if that. Um, all right. Uh, and that is for folks uh, listening. Uh, that is posted at the uh, Zach uh, Handbook website. That documentary here. So, so going back a little bit into your current uh, profession, of course, you are a professor of Occidental College in Southern California. You teach applied econo- econometrics and managerial economics. You received a, a, the uh, uh, Lofts Gordon Award for Excellence in Teaching, the uh, the Eo Triumph Award for Contribution to Occidental Spirit of Community, and the Jan. Osik Janicek Award for a service to the college. You wrote the prominent textbook Using Econometrics, which currently the seventh edition in the seventh edition as the top selling elementary econometrics text at liberal arts colleges. Could you trace any of your interest in economics uh, to kind of that thread back to your uh, interest in statistical replication of sports? So first, uh, the answer is yes, and I'll give you a long answer, but sure. I should point out that uh, the book no longer, we're pretty sure no longer is the number one seller okay. at liberal arts colleges. We're hoping to bounce back, but right now, I think we're probably in second place. Anyway, All right. um, so, so in econometrics, we often study um, in economics, study things that are determined simultaneously. Mm. That is to say, it's very difficult to talk about supply without talking about demand, et cetera. Sure. Um, and so my guess is that two my interest in econometrics and my interest in um, a statistical side of baseball uh, were determined simultaneously rather than one causing the other, if that makes any sense. Yes. Uh, so that the, 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 the weird proclivity of mind, which led me to write an econometrics textbook, probably also uh, uh, came from the same part of my mind that caused me to form the first male op-ball league. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now... Uh dovetailing that with your your 
quote, vast APA collection. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one would uh, marvel at seeing it, I'm sure. Uh, I wonder, over the years, you know, we are the APA football club, and there are many variations of the game. Uh, the baseball master game came first. And I just wonder, you know, one of the uh, long-standing, long-running perpetual conversations is about versions of game, uh, the eras of the cards and the accuracy of their calculations and talking about uh, trying to um, to uh, grasp the the interaction of things that are happening simultaneously. I wonder if you had any thoughts about the accuracy of APA cards, baseball or otherwise, throughout the sure, years. Sure, too. So this will be a long answer for two reasons. First, I, by the way, I played the football game quite a bit. Right. Um, I was a big Philadelphia Eagles fan. I was in a, a foot, foot, football league uh, in high school, and then uh, when I was in college, I played uh, a Cleveland Browns game uh, every Sunday trying to relax from, from studies. Hmm. I'll tell you one, one funny story, and that is um, once uh, a player who owned uh, Don Hoke and I were in a baseball league together, and the player, the same, same manager and I were in the football league, and I owned Dick Hoke, so we traded Hoke for Hoke. Hmm. Uh, it, it's probably completely illegal. Uh, but everyone thought it was pretty funny, so we we did that. <laughs> sure. Um, um, but now, so now I'm getting asked in mind. So tell me the other half, the question of, oh, how accurate are the cards? So, so APA, by definition, is not accurate. Mm. Um, uh, it became more accurate for extra base hits when uh, they went to double columns. But it, it, it in fact, when I, uh, you probably know this, I made and sold cards. Uh, I made the 1948 Indians. Uh, 1930 National League, etc. And then Dick told me that he had a he was going to sue me because I was breaking the copyright, and so he I had I stopped. But um, to get batting averages accurately, I had to invent a couple new numbers. I uh, because the eight and the nine are too similar in terms of their their hit value, mm-hmm. and also because um, good pitchers can't stop extra base hits even. Now, with a, you know, it's very, very difficult to, to do much about it. Sure. I it did invent a double Z well before Dick did, and he even used the, the name that I created for it. Huh? <laughs> there you go. There you go. So is it is it uh, a matter of adjusting the cards or the boards or a little of both? or, or... So, um, so understand, I've... I've I'm in the APA Hall of Fame. I'm a big fan of APA. I've sure. played APA forever. I have a great collection of APA stuff. APA simply and purely is not accurate. Okay. Um, the, 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 some of the other games may well be, but I only know uh, football and baseball, and okay. they're absolutely fun. They're terrific. They're, they're great recreations. Um, they're a ton of fun to play. I have not found a game that I think is even close to them in mm. terms of quality or in terms of fun. Sure. But but they're not accurate. If you wanted to run uh, uh, an accurate simulation, you'd do something quite uh, quite different. Interesting, interesting. You know, and that's one of the things that, uh, as I recall, uh, having met a bunch of folks over the years here, that uh, uh, Mr. Seitz was uh, quite often approached with ideas, to put it mildly, and he often, uh, from what I gather and have been told, uh, resisted... Uh, oftentimes to preserve the playability of the game. For instance, with football, uh, there are so many ways, uh, you, you know, so many motions and moments in a single play that you can capture that you could weigh a game down considerably. So it sounds as though he opted 
you know, you've got to straddle that line between trying to be extremely statistically accurate and having a playable game. Was that correct? Right? Yeah, there, there were two things involved. First, he, he cared a lot about selling games. Sure. And so making it complicated was going to make it worse. But also, every time you have an improvement, you got to redo boards. It costs a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so that there's two ways in which uh, improving the game would actually cost him money. And so he was not about to do that. By the way, he was a nice guy uh, in, if you weren't asking him for uh, changes in the game. For example, he owned a box seat right behind the dugout at uh, Connie Mack slash Side Stadium, and uh, uh, he gave me a set of seats there every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, my uh, son uh, had his diaper changed right on the Philly dugout. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> we, we, we tried to make it as private as possible, but he was too young to really care at that point. There you go. And I don't imagine there was a stadium cam at that time. Well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so what what would you say? So you've been playing, and, and you you have a league that is that is extant and and vital at this time. Uh, did you fill those spots uh, when you were recruiting for your current league? Yeah, we we got the we filled the one spot, and we have a, got an official alternate, so we're good for a bit. But you know, we're all getting old, so um, having having backups is always a good idea. If someone is interested, they could contact you and. Uh, or get my information at Oxford College and contact me. Awesome, awesome. Are you doing, uh, throughout the pandemic, uh, either during the pandemic or perhaps prior, uh, are you doing it, uh, playing, do, doing games um, online, virtually? We play some games online. Uh, typically, we, um, um, we play them individually, but most of the playoffs this year, because uh, we were playing uh, virtually, we were played online, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, we normally have a convention every year where we play all the the World Series and playoff games in person. We draft in person, even have an all-star game, et cetera, in person. And that's one of the things that keeps the league strong is getting together every year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the one of the managers in my wedding, for example, other, I mean, they, we just, the ties go way back, and quite often we find ourselves talking more about family and, as we get older, about our health than uh, we do about trading or the league. Sure, sure. Uh, do, do you plan on uh, going back to Alpharetta this year? I understand the convention will be in um, August. No, I don't. Okay. But I, I wish them the best, absolutely. You're out in California, so it's a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a coast-to-coast uh, <laughs> trek there. Understandable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see here. So, uh, very interested, you mentioned that you play baseball and football, not the other games. Do you own kind of, uh, I, I, you know, there are collectors who own one of everything, or is that kind of along the lines? No, I don't, I don't, uh, not that rigid. I did play the golf game, too, but okay. that got tiring after a bit. But I recognize that there's a chance that if you really did it well, you could make the golf game reasonably accurate. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the golf game, but hockey and basketball, because of all the passing, I found uh, uninteresting. Sure, sure. And that's the basketball is, game is kind of notorious for its <laughs> um, longevity uh, in a, of a game. Let's be charitable there. <laughs> yeah, speaking, speaking of that, I'm not sure it's in there, but um, I once played um, 61 games in a 24-hour period, so I got them playing pretty quickly. And I got, uh, I think I played a game in under two minutes. Wow. I have to admit I cheated. I put together a lineup of all the worst people I could find and had them play against Grover Cleveland Alexander. But still, we I got it done in under two minutes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Were you doing that as a personal test or with an eye perhaps toward a, a uh, Guinness Book run? 
Yeah, well, we didn't contact Guinness, so I'm not sure that I, but I'm sure somebody could go faster if they put their mind to it. But yeah, but I, but I enjoyed enjoyed playing it very quickly. That's for sure. It took takes a while because the worst thing you want is for uh, the bad team to have a rally, mm. and so at some point you just give up on the game halfway through when you realize the bad team's scoring too many runs. Do you have any tips that you've gathered over the years for uh, uh, solitaire versus league play in terms of uh, uh, game setup uh, for for either you know, solo play or face to face play or kind of that face to face strategy? So that's about seven or eight questions all in one. There sure. is there anyone you'd like me to focus on? Um, however you wish to answer, uh, maybe your your solitaire method. And then your face-to-face method, just how to compete and make the game enjoyable, you know, with any... Gotcha. Okay, so let me focus on uh, competition, because I don't play a lot of solitaire anymore, though I have a friend who plays and reports to me every day. He plays about eight games a day and reports to me how he's doing. Nice. Um, To me, me, competing, having your team compete, is is more a matter of resource management than it is... Um, uh, pure baseball. What we're trying to do is to figure out how to take the value of your franchise and configure it in a way that maximizes the number of wins it's likely to get uh, on the field. Hmm. Uh, and so in that sense, it's more like economics than it is truly like uh, baseball. Um, remind me to talk to you about Andrew, Andrew Friedman in a second. Okay. Um, uh, but in terms of uh, play during the game itself, um, it depends on what the rules are. So what you have to do is whatever rules you're playing by, if you allow the hit and run a lot, you have to have 231, this sort of stuff, you analyze the rules, and then you concoct a strategy that maximizes the likelihood of winning given those rules so that it, uh, in a different league I would have different, a different set of strategies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it's more a philosophy than it is any particular um, uh, strategy. But let's face it, good pitchers stop singles. So that means you want to get batters who don't get singles, who get doubles, triples, homers, stolen bases, and walks, and you're going to have, have uh, a good shot at beating a good pitcher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent, in, excellent. In terms of Friedman, we um, we lived right above the Rose Bowl, mm. and one time we had a real estate agent and said, if, if someone was willing to pay um, a fair price for your house, would you be interested in selling? And it turned out to be Andrew Friedman, so I... We sold our house to Andrew Friedman. The only exciting part was because they were going to be moving in uh, in time for the start of the season, we had to look for a house, find a house, and move in, in about three weeks. And so we, we, we certainly hustled to be able to sell that. But there, we still retain a relationship. I mostly deal with his wife, Robin, but they're, they're really good people. And, of course, he's done a phenomenal job. Uh, he may well be the best general manager of this, of this century in terms of the, the work he's done for the Dodgers. Excellent, excellent. Did you happen to challenge him to a game of APA? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> there is still time. Uh, <clears throat> had you ever attended any of the 70s uh, conventions since you were from Philly? Um, I believe one of, the, one of the first one, or one of the first was in Philly. Um, well, I, I, only, I lived in Philly for a very short time. Most okay. of the time I lived outside New York City or in Cooperstown. I was born in Cooperstown. Okay. Um, um but, uh, yes, I attended one convention. I, I forget what year it was. I could look it up because I was trading for, I think, Ken Griffey at the time, so we could try to figure it out from that. But it was in Lancaster. Uh, got it. Got it. Excellent. I remember some of the uh, the earlier ones. Um, uh, ben Weiser, uh, who's still with the New York Times, uh, I think helped organize one of the ones uh, 
or and, and reported on that, I think, in the mid to late 70s in Manhattan, if I'm recalling correctly. Um, but uh, let's see here. So your collection, are there any, uh, besides the sites, uh, boards, uh, what are some other highlights of your collection? Would you say you've got every baseball season and reissue or something along those lines? Uh, actually, I've been cutting back on that. I found that um, just sitting, having them sit on a shelf and look at them um, when all they are is, is representing something uh, isn't quite as exciting as you might think. So in most cases, I keep sets that really mean a lot to me, whether Dick Sites own them or whether they're original sets. I'm not a- attracted to the replay, or I should say, replica sets where you're basically their second or third, the R. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I like to get the original ones, but I'm, I'm very enthusiastic about going back looking at the old cars and enjoying them and and picturing people playing with them back uh what was it gosh 70 years ago for sure for sure uh do you in terms of your collecting are they do you prefer the kind of the near mint unwritten's or do you are you okay with a little bit of the the writing from the previous owners oh yeah i'm not a big fan of having writing on my cards that's for sure these are these are uh, treasured documents you don't really want to have somebody's writing on them for sure, for sure. Understood there. Um, let's see here. So, I should say that Bob Fraser helped a lot because I didn't start buying cards until the 57 season. But because I knew Bob, he was able to help me in particular um, buy old sets that they weren't advertising. And then my 1950 set for a long time was made up of extra cards. That I don't know if you know this, but back then they they kept extras of all the cards because people would would lose them. Mm. Uh, and uh, after a while, you would run out of a particular card, and then, of course, your set was incomplete. But he built me an almost complete 1950 set from extra cards, and so <laughs> they're not all exactly the same size. I ended up selling that one when I bought uh, Dick Seitz's 1950 set. That's probably one of my favorite items outside of the National Pastime is I have the 1950 set that Dick Seitz owned. Wow, wow, excellent, excellent. Um, and, of course, uh, they would give you the sample cards. I mean, this is in the 70s. Uh, not quite the same thing, but I, I remember they tucked one of those extra cards in the uh, the brochure to kind of uh, get you mystified about what all those numbers meant. Exactly. <laughs> and I imagine... Yeah, I, 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 think, I think that if you're an Oppa player, um, looking at the card, you get a better idea ability... Uh, and season than if you looked at the stats. Because to do the stats, you have to do some division and calculation. If you look at the card, you can see instantaneously how much power they have, how much they walk, how, how much they steal, etc. Uh, so I honestly think Oppa cards are, are better than stats in terms of instantaneous uh, evaluation. Yes. If you want to go in depth, of course, the Oppa card is an estimate rather than the actual data themselves. And so you really can't do much with it. But in, in terms of figuring out in five seconds how good a player is or what his attributes are, an up card is better than the stats. If you were going to build an, uh, a dream uh, nine-man roster, but using only the app of cards, would you have a sense of who you might choose based on their performance on the cards? So all I can tell you is that I, I know the nine-man roster of my team mm-hmm. uh, over the 70-some-odd years it's in existence, and I'm looking at some art of it. I can tell you uh, who's on this team. Uh, Piazza's the catcher. Um, uh, Dick Allen's the first baseman. Joe Morgan's the second baseman. Burt Campanaris is the shortstop. Mike Schmidt's the third baseman. The outfielders are Aaron, Griffey, and Mantle, and the 
pitchers are Koufax and Mariano. Wow. Nice, nice. But those are guys that I own, so I'm sure they're better. Like, I never owned Mark McGuire, so I can't claim him. But um, I did own Bonds, but I'm not 100% sure about his performance. Interesting, interesting. In fact, uh, I guess I should say I am 100% sure about his performance. Hmm. All right, all right. Uh, and in terms of the football game, uh, you know, uh, one of the uh, issues for some folks is, oh, it takes a while to play. <laughs> to be to be fair about it, uh, you mentioned that you got uh, some of the, you know, you, uh, you know, sixty-ish games done in a day of baseball, and obviously rolling baseball is a different animal. But I'm just curious about your take on the the uh, the effect of the simulation of the football game and your you know sense of its playability and your enjoyment factor from it. So when I played football against somebody, I really enjoyed it. Hmm. I think in terms of head-to-head strategy, there's more fun in playing the out football game than playing the out baseball game because you can call the plays and call the defenses and try to outwit the other person. Um, uh, in terms of accuracy, I don't think it's any more accurate, but I think in terms of strategy, it's more fun to play. It does take longer, uh, and uh, that that it, it's not obvious that it's accurate, but it is a lot of fun. I, I think the Appa football game is a lot of fun to play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we concur. Um, do you happen to, in your collection, save um, all your stats, your game sheets, um, or do you save a select few? So, so remember, I don't play solitaire. So mostly, what I play is the the Northeast League. And yeah, I have I have our newsletters and my composite we we do a composite we play an eight game series then send a, an eight game report back to the other person because we trust each other mm-hmm. and i have that all the way back to the beginning of the league yeah so i've got i've got newsletters and stats and you name it for for everything do you have those posted on a website or are they certainly for not for public viewing well they're they're not digital they're in a binder okay so it would take it would take someone in there's probably i don't know 15 big binders uh four or five inch binders of stuff so um some of the stuff is online yeah but uh, that's mostly recent things mm, okay okay and uh, i'd be glad to give you send you a link to a typical newsletter sometime if you'd like that would be great absolutely absolutely um and then uh, you wrote for the Appa Journal. Let's not forget that. Uh, according to the entry, uh, the first entry, the person who did uh, your write-up could find was a mid-season write-up of the NEL's 1971 cards season, Appa Journal, Volume Six, Number Three, December '72. Does that uh, sound right? Or is that? You know, it sounds late. I think I was writing earlier than that, but it's not a big deal. I certainly enjoyed writing, but um, I did it more for fun than anything else. Mm-hmm. What was the process like? Did you just kind of come up with your own articles, or were you assigned material to pursue? It, it worked both ways. If I, if I had something, I wrote it up, uh, and if they had something they wanted me to write, they would let me know. Okay, and that was when the Gatoses were, were still running the journal? Well, I worked with, gosh, it feels like about five different editors okay. in terms of, along the way, especially running the, um, uh, the grade guessing contest. So, yeah, I feel as though you know, Heiderscheidt was a member of our league, Jim Lafarge was a member of our league, a lot of a lot of APA journal types. What was, uh, speaking of that, I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the uh, pitching grade contest. And uh, it says here that you had dem- demonstrated your skill at predicting the pitching grade so effectively that when the feature finally ended, Woody was still the all-time contest champion. Um, what was your, do you have, did you have kind of any secrets that you 
would share about how you you know, guess those grades so accurately? So remember, I um, I am a econometrician, so I do this for a living. In other words, that I, companies hire me to do this as well, yeah. so that I have a, a step up on most people because I have to figure out. Uh, in my mind, at least, an algorithm as to how to make these decisions. Mm-hmm. But then second, remember that I made cards. I actually right. uh, made cards, and so I had to ask myself uh, how I would uh, grade them. Mm-hmm. And the third advantage I had was having talked to Bob Fraser about it. He, you know, he let me know some of, the, um, uh, some of the ideas that they were talking about at the time. So I was aware of what, not, uh, not on a card-by-card basis, but aware of the general principles. For example, it used to be that um, pretty much no matter how terrible you were, if you won, um, won 25 games, you were an A. Well, of course, nobody wins 25 games anymore, so that's, that's been adjusted. But things like that, um, even if you were terrible, I guess it's hard to be a terrible pitcher and win 25 games, but you know what I'm trying to say. Sure. Um, uh, second thing is that um, I studied past years. So if, if I had made three uh, quote-unquote mistakes, or if you want to be blunt about it, if, if the card, if Oppa had made three mistakes, I went back and tried to understand what I didn't get right and then um, incorporate that mistake or correction into my grade guessing the next year. So that it was an iterative uh, process rather than a one-time process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know, we have, uh, uh, most recently on uh, Facebook, uh, we've been talking about, uh, bandying about some of the uh, Ken Stabler cards from uh, 76 in particular, uh, of course, the original card had ones at eleven thirty three sixty six. His uh, recalculation and other people's uh, concoctions of his stats. I think he had it finished with a one hundred one hundred three point four passer efficiency that season. That's, but, a, that's a pretty good number. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> so. And I, and I wonder over the course of all the cards you've seen and or created, uh, have there been any particularly uh, notable? issues of over or under carding or instances of over or under carding that really stood out to you? Um, what you're really saying is what mistakes were there? I guess um, <laughs> uh, the, the, the 14 is very tricky because um, uh, how to handle intentional walks isn't obvious. Um, the current rule people think is about uh, an intentional walk counts as perhaps two-thirds of an actual walk. But in Bonds' case, for example, you, know, you might not count them at all. They, uh, he actually didn't have any chance at all of batting in a particular situation because they just walk him. So that um, uh, I would say that, de- that dealing with a 14 was, was a problem. But no card stands out as being any worse or better. I think it's more the system when you have to decide uh, of exactly 36 numbers, which are going to represent... 700 plate appearances against, you know, dozens of different pitchers, uh, you know you're going to simplify basically no matter what you do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, and your current league, so how many players do you have now, or coaches rather? And uh, are we, call, we call them managers. We have 12. Okay. All right. And uh, what is your current uh, status in terms of uh, replaying this season, your draft? Uh, where do you stand so we're we're just about in the second month of the season. So we had the draft in March. The season started in um, uh, May, and right now we're playing we're playing June. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when do you expect the season, the season will end next March? Okay. Oh wow! Excellent, excellent. Do you do anything special for the winners of of uh, the uh, series? 
not for the series, no. We For the winner of the season, we have a, a small trophy. Uh, trophies we've named after uh, members of the league who passed away in most cases. Mm. Um, but except for that, no, we don't, they don't win any money, that's for sure. Um, sure, sure. Do you uh, actually, have you uh, interacted, uh, be, you know, just kind of tying back to the idea that, you know, your league... Uh, was the first to inspire the male in leagues do you as a as a you know such a you know well the the innovator of the leagues do you tend to uh, get a lot of pe- folks asking you advice or would you pass along any advice for uh, creating and sustaining a league that's viable and, sure yeah uh, uh, most of the times i'm in two leagues at the same time so i've been well, i've probably been in a total of seven or eight leagues um and the, uh, the first thing to remember, I think, is remember you're doing this for fun. So uh, have a lot of fun. If, if everyone in the league has fun, then the league's going to be long-lasting. And if they don't, uh, then it's not going to last very long. Second is you, you have to trust each other. If, if you think somebody's cheating, that, pretty, that can ruin a league very, very quickly. Um, and the final one um, is that the president or commissioner uh, shouldn't always win, because if that happens, people are not going to want to be in the league. It should be that there's a, everyone has an equal opportunity of winning. They might not win at an equal rate, but they have an equal opportunity. I think in the Northeast League, for example, I think we've had seven different champions over the last seven years. I could be off by a year, but it's something like that. Mm-hmm. When disputes do arise inevitably, how do you recommend managing those? So a lot depends uh, on what you mean by a dispute. Do you mean uh, a mistake in the play, or do you mean cheating, or what do you mean? Um, all of the above, I suppose. Um, anything that okay. Could... So if there's a mistake in the play, uh, the manager can can protest that, and we allow the game to be replayed from the point of the mistake. Hmm. Um, if there's a mistake, if someone is is traded illegally uh, or used a player illegally, the player is has to sit out for an extra week. Uh, and if it happens a lot, we have a small uh, fine uh, mm-hmm. for that. If a player cheats, they're thrown out of the league. Mm-hmm. If, a man, if a manager cheats, they're out of the league. And that's only happened once, and that player, that guy, Gary Robbins, turned out to be a serial murderer. Oh, dear. All righty. There's a bit of apple lore for you. <laughs> yep. Yeah, All righty. His name is Gary Robbins. He was a, uh, a, a real estate broker, mortgage broker, I think, in uh, Pittsburgh, and he uh, killed a few uh, real estate agents or potential buyers. Oh dear! Oh dear! Well, yeah, and we and we we kicked him out of the league. There's a book about him. I forget the name. There's a, there's a book about him. I'm sure we'll be scrambling to the uh, Amazon carts for that one. No doubt, we will find the name. I'm sure there are probably several books on that uh, uh, unfortunate uh, occurrence. Um, so. In terms of league play, the actual mechanics of it and player usage, you know, in the football drafts we talk about, uh, for instance, the Suncoast Football League uh, made a point of making it not an all-star league, but having those, uh, they had fairly strict rules to not have uh, teams full of, uh, in the case of football, five-point Hall of Famers. You know, you have your your two, three-pointers, your kind of... uh, you know, your yeoman performers there. And I wondered if there are any rules uh, for your folks, how you've kind of crafted rules for team composition, usage of stars relative to their actual performance, things like that. Right. So we, since we're a 12-team league, we really have to worry about all-star teams. Mm. Uh, and so we 
may make it difficult to play in the league. For example, you can't be a starting hitter unless you had 400 plate appearances so that somebody with a phenomenal card um, uh, couldn't play a lot in the NEL. Um, in terms of pitching, we also have limits. Uh, it's hard that you can't be a reliever unless you pitch in 54 games, for example. Of course, in, during 2020, all these changed, but still. Uh, so we limit the number of players who can get into the league as well so that uh, it makes the teams a little more balanced. But there's still, let's say, that, um, more superstars than regular. You, you have to adjust your thinking. If you're in a 20-team league, player values are quite different than if you're in a 12-team league. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Personally or in uh, your league play, do you use any customized, uh, say, score sheets or dice towers, things of that nature to facilitate? I, I, I use grass paper and op dice, that's for sure. All right, all right. And uh, the uh, paper shaker or the plastic? Uh, your choice. I got them all. Okay, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I so, did have to st- I stick paper, uh, uh, tissue paper at the bottom so as to, uh, not to annoy anybody else while I'm rolling dice. Oh, excellent pro tip there. Thank you, sir. Uh, it's kind of the, <laughs> did they ever get stuck? <laughs> I feel like once in a while. Yep, yep, they definitely get stuck and just whack them and they'll come flying out again. All right, there you go. Does that roll count or not? Um, so it, the rolls, when we use the rolls, they have to land in a particular place so that uh, if you whacked it and you meant to whack it and then they landed that particular place, it would be okay. If they came flying out of the, where you're aiming for, then it would not count. Ah, all right. That's pretty, that's pretty mundane stuff. I don't know. That's 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 one of those things that can. <laughs> it's like does it? You know, the it's like the hanging chad kind of a thing there. Um, it, lots of times we roll into a Pyrex bowl. We call it the Pyrex Pavilion. So it spins <laughs> it around and around like a roulette wheel, and then it comes to rest at the bottom. It's got a nice zing to it. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's perfect. That's brilliant. Um, let's see here. I I think we've covered so much ground here. I really appreciate it. This has been a fascinating conversation, Woody. Um, are there any last thoughts about uh, the impact of APA on you know the world of gaming, on your life, on uh, the you know the lives of potential players, the role of sports simulation as a pastime? So you're so you have an interesting habit of asking four questions at once. Uh, I'll pick out I'll, I'll pick out the one that, that I, I'd like to end with, and that is, uh, Appa has has really changed my life, but in an unexpected way. And that is that it's given me some deep friendships uh, and long lasting relationships that I would never have developed otherwise. And so I really owe a lot to Appa. It's enjoyable, but it also has really helped in terms of friends and uh, relationships. Awesome, awesome. That's a great note to end on. Uh, Sir, thank you so much again for your time. Fascinating discussion. And uh, again, congratulations on your well-deserved entry into the Apple Hall of Fame. I hope we can catch up with each other at some some point in the future here. Sure, and good luck to all all the people who are in your organization or listening to your your interview.